Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson, John Kime from ESPN.com is with us. You guys both independently wound up watching the quarterbacks this weekend. Logan, it sounded like you guys are going to do something on uh, the TV show about Carson and Dak and uh, all the quarterbacks in the division. Uh, John, uh, you were just working on trying to kind of build a base of information on, on Carson yeah. Wentz uh, to go into the season. So what's what, what as you guys went through this round of tape I'm sure, I know you guys have both watched him extensively before like Logan I'll start with you like what what are some of the the big strength weaknesses that you noticed maybe this time around or, or what was your prevailing thought as you left that that tape session well it was really interesting because I had to rank them so you kind of go in and you say well obviously the the first thought is to go with Dak right and it's so interesting doing this coming off of kind of a recent draft evaluation of quarterbacks and I went through and I watched them and there was a mesmerizing element to Carson Wentz's play that if they were all rookies, like in all four guys were rookies, he would be the first pick in the draft. Like, and that's why he was because he did stuff physically like just that was on that. No one else in this division can do right. But the thing that I kept going back to, if I had to give them a ranking, if I had to put them in position, I would go with Dak because he's just been more consistent from a mental, emotional standpoint. And now, like, all those physical things get you so excited. There's a high level of variance. You know, he kind of plays a little bit of hero ball. I'm talking about Carson now. But again, like, the arm strength, the ability to manipulate defenses with his eyes, the ability to run run and kind of create on his own, you're just like, this is the guy that's going to change an organization. And that's just looking at the season in isolation. But then when you look at him, his time in Philly, you look at how it kind of melted down in Indianapolis. Like those are factors that go into kind of that ranking. And I think to myself, like, while he's very talented, like the thing that has killed his career so far is the high level of variance and the negative variance that you get out of some of that stuff. Because certain players have a high level of variance. Like say what you want about Patrick Mahomes. There's a high level of variance in his play. But he's able to kind of consistently manage his emotions and his emotional integrity and lead to good production. I think that was the thing that came out of it. Like, just how good he was watching throw for throw with those other guys in the division and just saying, wow, there's so much talent here. And why can't I put him number one? And that was the thing I fell back on was just, I can't go, I can't put him number one because of the, the kind of the, the lows are so low with him. John, is that what you saw as well? Well, I wasn't ranking all the quarterbacks, so I just wanted to get a feel for what he did in Indianapolis last year. And a couple things stood out. One, 
the receiving talent in Indianapolis I didn't think was very high. And there were a lot of times, too, where um, I felt like, you know, and I would stop and you watch it all 22 and like, okay, where's the point where the pressure's on him and what are the receivers doing? Does he have a chance? Because I know the knock on him is he holds the ball too long, and there's definitely times where that's the case. And then you stop the play and you'd see nobody's in position to make a catch right now. You know, and there were a few times where I definitely saw where he'd get out of the pocket where I felt like he was looking to create something where he didn't have to. And I think there was a play against Tennessee where he's got Zach Pascal, I think, breaking over the middle in the red zone. And you can see him looking, looking right at him like, why are you not throwing the ball? And he rolls to the right and he creates a situation. I think he even gains eight or nine yards, but you could have had 14 with this throw. There was somebody kind of in that throwing lane, but then you watch from the end zone sometimes and you see maybe there's a hand in a guy's face that you can't tell from a sideline view. But the other things that stood out and going to the arm strength, and this is, to me, these are little subtle things that the arm strength does. There was a play against the Rams, and Logan, you may remember this, where Aaron Donald, it's a third and 14. Aaron Donald is about to hit him, and I think it's either Pascal or Pittman, probably Pittman because he loved throwing to him, yeah. Where he throws this like he, he's in like a he's got the sideline to run to he's got two defenders with him but he's in he's got position on them just throws it toward the sideline it's a forty two yard gain yeah under duress that's all you're not seeing that anybody else here then another one this is the subtleties of it where there was one time where he does a play action and if I could stand up and show you my feet I would and how he did it. But his feet were set for the play action, but because of the plays right on him, he doesn't have to turn his feet and get turned around to make the throw on a little quick hitch. So he just, he fake, boom, get your hips around, boom. Because of that, because he gets, because he gets rid of the ball so fast there, because it's a strong arm, the defensive back is two yards off the, off the receiver, which then allows him to make him miss and get eight more yards after the catch. That, to me, is a subtle thing that an arm strength does. It creates better situations for you as a receiver. Now, the other side, and so, like, you saw that, and I saw, like, Logan, you, we talked about his ability to manipulate with the eyes and all that. You could see that, too. You could see him trying to work the middle, the middle safety with his eyes and how that impacted a throw over here. So you definitely saw the arm strength so many times with that. The, the things that, and then you'd see sometimes where, you know, keeping the play alive in the pocket and because you're tall, being able to see over the middle and going, stepping up in the pocket and dumping it over. Then there are other times where he plays hero ball, but it's also the consistency of the accuracy. And, like, you'd see a guy, like, he's got, I'm like, why did this not play not lead to more yak? And, and it's because he was off on his throw. So the wide catch radius has been a big phrase this offseason for a reason. And I think they have a lot of guys who can help them with that. But it, it sometimes pre- prevented them from getting some more yards after the catch. on a and, and not just on a first and ten, but on a third and six. If this throws a little bit better, now you got a first down because there's more yak. Or may, you know what I mean? Like, or if, you know, so yeah. I think there are some things with that that I would see that's the inconsistency. But the arm strength is going to help. And I do think that this receiving core <clears throat> excuse me, is going to help him. 
Yeah, I think the other interesting thing about watching all the quarterbacks together, and to John's point, I think this is great, um, is you watch Dallas, for example, and the receiving core there is outstanding. Like, he can count on his guys to win in one-on-one situations. Like, he, his, his, his process was so – Dak's process now was so unique. He'd be working the right side of the field, shift his feet, and his eyes would even be a little late, and he'd just throw the ball on timing, and the, he knew the receiver was going to win. And when you watch Indianapolis, for example – that's not there. The other thing that really stood out watching Dallas compared to Indianapolis was was the protection in Dallas was outstanding. That's probably the best pass protecting group in the yeah. division last year. And then Ezekiel Elliott is probably the best pass protecting back. And he would have these immaculate pockets, just perfect pockets. He had time to work his eyes, had time to work his uh, and he and it's not like he's. He's working like, like the dark arts, like the Drew Brees ducking under stuff and really working his feet. He's got a perfect pocket. No one's around him. And when you watch Carson throw for throw again, he's negotiating a lot of bad rushes in terms of in yeah. his lap. Yeah. There's guys on his, you know, he's, he's stepping wide. And so in terms of making more with less last year, I think Carson deserves a lot of credit. Now there is, again, there's a lot of variance to his game. But the thing that gets you about Dak, just just to give the the listeners a point of comparison, right? Because you hear Dak Prescott and you say, that's the guy. When Dak had rough pockets, when Dak's guys couldn't create separation, he immediately looked very average. So who's making more there? Mm -hmm. Just kind of, again, you're writing a lot of variance with Carson, but I think Carson made more with less. Now, they did a good job of insulating him on a down-to-down basis from a play-calling standpoint. And when you look at Moore and what he's doing in Dallas, he's very innovative in terms of creating open throws. And just in terms of situation, like, can Scott Turner bring some of that here for him? Because it elevates what Carson does, I, th- I think. And it elevates what everybody does by creating these open, win- open throwing windows and easier reads for a guy like Carson, a guy who needs to get the ball out of his hand a little bit quicker because he doesn't do well when, when the protection breaks down. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Well, and that was going to be my next question is what can Scott Turner do to ultimately help Carson out? Because we know that that is going to be essential to success. We talked about this extensively with Warren Sharp and our reaction to that last week is how do they create situations, play calls, whatever it may be to help Carson out and how aware are they of these weaknesses? Surely they've watched the tape. They've got to know. So how do they game plan around that to, to maximize his success? Um, in my opinion, it's, it's something um, that I think Scott's going to run what Scott runs. And I think he's brought more to OTAs this time because of what Carson brings from an arm talent standpoint. But I, you know, I just when I draw comparisons to Sean, when I draw comparisons to Kyle, when I draw comparisons even to Lafleur or McDaniel's, like in those conversations I've had with them during the time when I played for those guys, there's a next level thinking uh, or understanding, and I just, I think Scott's a very bright dude. I just haven't seen that next iteration yet, where you're you're scheming guys open, you you you're you're dissecting coverage on a Tuesday for the game on Sunday to put those guys in the best position to be successful. And I think Scott's capable of that. I think we saw flashes of that in terms of 
deeper passing concepts that do that, but the really good ones, in my opinion, can do that at every level of the defense, and I think he's got to got to stress himself a little bit to make that make that happen because quite frankly like i i think uh, norwell and turner are great additions to the offensive line from a run game standpoint but i have my questions about their ability to hold up in pass protection and when you look at indianapolis when quentin nelson's out when they're on their second second right guard um that's where the pressure was coming and that seemed to fluster him carson quite a bit so you're going to have to contend with that variable as well which is something that's really important uh in his development i think to that point too I would make sure he's got answers, right? So if there's yeah. if you if you're facing that pressure right away, give him some answers underneath that with a really good target. And and that sounds simplistic, but I think it's when I would watch him in Indy, there were too many times I'm like, again, there's nothing available for him. So I'm sure like people are probably watching the game. You get half the screen, as we know on TV, and all three of us hate that, which is why we all three watch it all 22 so much, because it gives you a clear picture. And I'm sure there are fans thinking, get rid of the ball! And then you go look at the game, and you say, where? Give him that answer underneath. Give him, you know, the, And they do have guys who are capable of being very good in that role, whether it's a shallow cross. And this is what I'm anxious to see is how you use all that speed and, and creating advantages, whether it's vertical and a couple shallow crossers, whatever. You have a lot of it. And so how do they use that to help him? And I think some of those, I know they want to attack down the field. They absolutely want to do that early and create that mindset for defensive players that you've got to watch for this, which in turn should open up underneath those the underneath quick game that they love. So, you know, I think that's one thing you do. And and I want to go back to one other point with the talent around him because I just thought of this, and I was thinking of a play that um, <clears throat> there was a slant. I think it was like a third. I don't remember where it was, like third and let's say it was like third and seven. And he throws a slant pass to Paris Campbell. And he's a Buckeye, so I got to watch him in college. And I'm like, why didn't this play work? Because, like, you look at should he gone somewhere else? No, this is a quick hit play. It should work. Well, then you watch how Paris Campbell tries to come off the line, and you say, that's the problem. Like, the stutter step at the line was like, I remember thinking the defensive back had no reaction to it. You didn't get it create with the stem. There was nothing to – it was a press coverage, and there was nothing done to get that defensive back off his spot at all. And I think they have more guys here who can help do that that yeah. are complementary to Terry McLaurin. And I think that's one of the things that you can benefit from. That's a subtle thing. Again, he doesn't pick up the first down by about a half a yard. But that half a yard was everything that he came off the line with. And if I could, Logan, I could, I might send a clip of you that play just to show what I'm talking about. It was, and, and maybe I'm wrong, and again, he's a Buckeye, but I never thought he was a great route runner as a Buckeye. I thought he was a great playmaker as a Buckeye. Right. You know, and so I think that's what he is in the NFL. And, but that's where it can help him having better talent around him. But, again, I go back to have clear answers for him because Logan's right that there are definitely times where you saw pockets starting to break down. Like, you're 6'5". Stay in there half more. Can you? Yeah. I'm saying this as a 5'9 and a half guy who did not play quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> so I don't want to, like – but I, I, this is what I would ask him and I would ask Scott Turner – could he have stayed in here another half second and delivered the ball? But, again, because never having done that. So that's a question I would ask. Could he have done that? And now you've got 
that half second more results in a 15-yard play down here rather than breaking it out, maybe getting seven or eight yards, but you could have had 15. And those are some of the things that you, you know, you wonder about. But that's more on Carson and that I just wonder, Logan, if that's just not part of his game and that's something you're going to have to live with and build a work around that. It's okay, listen, if you go get seven or eight, and there's sometimes you say like, all right, on this play, you looked at this guy. If you stay with him another half second longer, it's a 20-yard gain. But you got 10 because you went over here, and it's the old Peyton Manning. You never go broke taking a profit. All right, right, so you got moved it. But, you know, so as some of those things you're going to live with, but then how can you maximize this guy? Because there is a lot of talent there, and there's a lot of – I think there's a definite amount of potential with this offense. Yeah, it's really interesting you bring that up. And, and one of the things that stuck out to me, and you already alluded to this, was just how – so this two two plays come to mind. One, they had a choice route. The back's running a, a free release choice. He can break off the linebacker either way. That is his read 100% of the time, and the back makes a, a misread. It makes the wrong choice. And so you see Carson pull it down, and that play is designed to go there. It's a five-step drop. The timing isn't such that I can go here and then go here, that the concept doesn't work that way, right? i got to make my decision pre-snap what I want to do. So then he gets flush, and you know, if I'm watching that on the, on the TV copy, I right. say, man, what's Carson doing? He's, but that's, right. to me... That's on the back, right? And making sure you have people that can do that. And here they have someone who can do that in McKissick, right? The other one was they were running like a deep crossing concept. And the back, because the rush was so bad, was supposed to be on a free release and got picked by the three technique, who was Aaron Donald, and couldn't get out in the route. So they matched the concept really well in the back end, and the back's not in the flat. And so I'm I'm watching Carson like, the ball's got to be out. He feels it. You can see he feels it. He's looking for the back, but it's not there. And so, yes, giving him those options, I think, alleviates some of that. Because one of the things when you watch the Colts offense, for example, I felt like they didn't do a great job of giving a him thousand percent outlets, agree. giving him solutions, giving him. That's one thing Kyle was used to say. I want the, I want the quarterback yep. to have answers. And can Scott do that? I don't know. Because again, when you compare that to an offense like Dallas last year, that had a whole bunch of playmakers in that offense, you say to yourself. Dak, he would go to his first read on the choice, and the ball's out in timing. He would throw the, the, the comeback without even looking because he knew the guy was going to win. And having those resources at your disposal makes you a better football player. It elevates your ability. And I look at this offense, and I say, with Terry, Terry McLaurin's vertical speed and his nuanced route running, with what Jahan's shown during OTAs, with what Curtis Samuel's shown from a playmaking standpoint underneath, McKissick, Gibson, Logan Thomas, Cole Turner has shown flashes during OTAs. Obviously, still a lot of growth needs to happen there. But the weapons are deep, and they can right. win in one-on-one situations, which is what the modern NFL is. And I, and I think it solves, it can, it can, just from a personnel standpoint, alleviate some of these issues that he's shown. Yeah, and that should help eliminate some of the variance in his game because that floor becomes a lot higher. Yeah, and I think the other thing, to Logan's point too, and the other thing you see... Again, this is just on-field evaluation, right? And I think there are going to be more guys here that he can trust where they're going to be when. And that makes a huge difference. It's not just Terry. I think Jahan is a really good route runner. Um, I think J.D. is a terrific route runner. Logan Thomas is a guy you can trust, not just because of route running, but because he's going to compete for that ball. And he's going to wall a guy off, and it may not be a huge opening, but you can trust him. You can throw it here because of who it is. And I think that will. I think that will help any quarterback. Um, so, and, and is it enough? I don't know. I mean, and again, 
we, we talk about Logan, or talk about Carson Wentz like he just can't play. He can play. The question with Carson Wentz is, to what level will he play? Yeah. And is it good enough? You know, is it good enough to get this team to where they want to go? But he can play. He's a starter in this league. It's just a matter of what level do you? What level can he get to at this point? And why might like why might it happen here? And I th- and I think that's to me an ultra interesting thing, right? Because the elite guys, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, they elevate the group around them. But if you're in that middle tier, right, which Carson could right. potentially be, he's been at the bottom, he's been at the top, so I'm going to give him the middle tier. You need people around you to do that. You need the coordinator. You need everybody to help you do that. And I think that's what the big question mark is, like you said, is is that enough to make him confident enough to be in that middle tier consistently? Because if he is in that middle tier, yeah. I think this team's going to be okay. It's just about has, has the staff... Has the, has the personnel groupings, does that support him enough? Yeah, and the question with Wentz, too, isn't so much, is he a starting quarterback? It's like, is he the answer here as a starting quarterback for the long term? You know, I think for, you know, you saw, I mean, the numbers were all what they were in Indy. There were a number of other issues. Um, it wasn't all on him. He did. He could have played, he definitely could have played better late. But, um, you know, so the question with him is as much, is he the answer at quarterback, or are they going to be in a position in a year or two needing to find someone else? Yeah, that's a great point as well. All right, if you want more from John, uh, John Kime Report is anywhere you get your podcasts. You can, of course, read him on ESPN.com. He'll also occasionally pop up on your television, which is a delight. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at John underscore Kime. Uh, John, thanks so much for doing this. Always appreciate your perspective uh, and uh, look forward to our all 20. Now, I, I decided at some point during one of your answers that we're just going to have a group text of film clips that go back and forth. So I look forward to that. That will be created soon. It, it is, that is like, and Logan knows I like doing that, so because I'll bother him with stuff all the time, but um, it's, <laughs> it's a fun part of the job because it's something as a reporter that I, it's important to know, like try to understand what it is that you're seeing, and you're not always, like the, the, the beauty about football that I love is that you don't always, you can see something, but you don't always know what you're seeing or why, and it's the why that is always the thing that drives should drive that drives me is that why did this happen and you know you may see it a certain way and then a a coach or someone else say yes but and you know that's what I like about having access to people who can answer that why and you know so there we go yeah yeah Logan's one of the the whole reason I do the podcast it's just so I get to ask Logan twice a week for 45 minutes. Oh, hey, Logan, so. why? Why? I'm that annoying eight-year-old. It's just like, why? 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 Uh, if you like to hear us asking why, subscribe. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Odyssey app, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and if you want more from us on social media, at Hoffman Show on Twitter for me, at Logan underscore Paulson 82 for Logan. Again, that's on Instagram. And as we just said, John, at John underscore time on all those social media platforms. John, thanks for doing this. Uh, Logan, we got Jordan Reed on Thursday. So that'll be a, a good time. We got, we got Jay Reed, uh, your former teammate, a guy that John and I spent a lot of time with covering over the years. So we'll see you guys Thursday for that. And that's it. And that's all for this edition of Take Command.